Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Today, I want to talk about control and controlling the things that you can control. Um, uh, one of my managers, one of my first mentors used to talk about controlling the controllables. And uh, the word control is probably going to be used entirely too many times <laughs> in this uh, episode here. But um, I think most salespeople are somewhat controlling. There are a few happy-go-lucky sellers out there that say, hey, whatever happens, happens, and I'm good with it, and good for you if that's who you are. But there are also a lot of things um, that need to be taken care of, that you need to take responsibility for, that you need to take ownership of. And a lot of times that is really it manifests itself as control. And I go back to, uh, I think it was the old National Car Rental commercials. Uh, Patrick Warburton is a, an actor. You might remember him from Seinfeld and some other uh, roles where he used to talk about how he's not a control freak. He's a control enthusiast. He didn't want to be referred to as a freak. Um, I think that's where a lot of salespeople fall. And I think while this is good by and large, um, it can become dangerous. And you have to be mindful of what it is that you are trying to control. Uh, there are things out there that will conspire against you, and there are things that you need to make sure that you get done. But you had better know the difference. Because if you don't know the difference, you are going to be in trouble. I think the number one cause for anxiety, for uh, disappointment, um, you know, mental illness in sales is when salespeople try to control more than they can, more than they should, more than would be fair. I mean, you have to recognize that selling is about putting yourself in position to win. And when you do that often enough, you will win often enough. And it's not about making sure you win every time. Right? Let's let's dig let's dig deep. Let's get back to reality. If you're winning a third of the time, you're doing pretty well. If you're winning less than a third of the time, you're either calling on way too many people or your skills need to get sharp. And if you are call if you're winning way more than 30% of the time, well, probably have an issue with where you're qualifying and when we're keeping track of that stat, but if you are winning more than a third of the time, you're probably not calling on enough people. 
So recognizing that you can't win them all, even when you do everything right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I use an analogy uh, fairly often. Uh, let's say you're playing golf and you're in a tournament. You're winning the tournament going into the last round. Let's say you're, you're up by two strokes and you figure if you go out there and you play your game, play a little bit conservatively, but if you play well enough to shoot a couple under, then um, you're probably going to win. You're certainly going to be able to say you played well enough to win. Sometimes you go shoot two under, do exactly what you said you would do, play mistake-free even, and you do exactly what you need to win, but someone a couple of spots behind you goes and sets the course record because they're going to be very aggressive on the course, and you know, sometimes you just make everything. You catch a couple of breaks. Now, in that instance, you did what you needed to do to win. You executed your plan. You didn't even make any mistakes but you still lost. Why? Because someone went out there and everything went their way. Controlling the things that you controlled, you did everything you could, but something out of your control took that victory away. Does it sting any less? Well, maybe a little bit. Do you second guess a lot of things? Sure. But can you be held accountable for something way out of your control, snatching that that you know deal from you, snatching uh, you know defeat from the jaws of victory, so to speak? No, you really can't. Sometimes the prospect decides that making a change is not the right thing for them. Sometimes they decide at the eleventh hour that they can't do anything. They're not even picking a competitor over you, but you lost the deal to the status quo because they just decided that they could no longer move forward because something changed in their business. I had a client several years ago. We were all the way to the proposal stage. I had agreement in principle. I had a verbal. I had a, let me just go and get some money for this and we're going to make it happen, but I know where I'm going to get that money from. Uh, Jeff, we're excited to get started. And then all of a sudden... The major car manufacturers decided that they weren't going to make sedans anymore after the current model year or after the current iteration. Right? They typically go in three-year periods. Um, so all of a sudden, that had an impact on suppliers. And that had an impact on the suppliers of the suppliers and on down the road. So something completely out of my control caused me to lose that deal. Okay. It would have been nice to have it, but at the same time, how can I be held accountable for something that General Motors and Ford decided, right? So there are ripple effects everywhere. That's why you can't expect to win every single deal. But you need to keep your expectations in check. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to keep saying it. When you focus on a process, you get results. But when you focus on results, you get frustrated. So think about how that applies to controlling what you can control and not getting too married to the outcome. Uh, several years ago, I remember um, being late to surgery. I was uh, selling orthopedic implants at the time. I had been doing regular business with um, this surgeon. Everything was set up at the hospital. I knew where I needed to be. I knew where everything was. I knew what time the case was going to start, like the whole thing, first thing in the morning. And I was 10 minutes late. And I met my partner there, met my partner and my mentor there. We were covering these cases together when we could. And uh, I remember being about 10 minutes late. And I was late because 
There was a box truck or a bread truck or something on these two-lane roads getting back to this semi-rural hospital. And I showed up late because a truck pulled out in front of me and there was no way to pass and it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have been safe to pass. And so I was a few minutes late. But I knew that um, the case was going to go off without an issue. I knew that there was a reason I left this early in the morning anyway. And we padded our arrival times so that we had time in case anything were to come up. But I was 10 minutes late and I showed up. My partner was waiting for me. He said, hey, you're late. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you know, left at the normal time. This bread truck got in front of me. He said, well, you should have been in front of it. I said, well, I don't know how much. He said, Jeff, I, if you were in front of it, you wouldn't have been late. And at the time, I thought, hey, you're right. I think. <laughs> I said, hey, you're right. If I had been in front of it, I wouldn't have been late. Um, but I wasn't in front of it. And, you know, what I thought about and what the lesson I took away from that was that there could be things that are outside of my control. And I want to make sure that I hedge against as many of those things as possible. Oddly enough, years later, when I was talking to my therapist about this, this and some other things, several other things, she said, Jeff, do you realize how unrealistic you were being? And I remember fighting it. I remember saying, yeah, but you don't get it. This is just how we do things. That's the environment. That's the reality for me. And she said, I don't understand how that's realistic at all. Like, Say that out loud. Like, How are you supposed to hold yourself accountable to things well outside of your control? And it was at that moment where I realized where a lot of my anxiety had come from, where a lot of my discomfort and, and uh, dissatisfaction with my job had come from. It was me trying to control things that I had no business even considering controlling, let alone trying to hold myself accountable for. So I want you to think now. What are the things that you're trying to hold yourself accountable for that are just patently unfair to you? I know selling is a results-oriented game. I know that's what we love about it. I know that's sometimes what we hate about it. But are you focused on your process? Or are you just getting hung up on results and results that are never fair for you to even expect to deliver? This is one of my biggest problems with, you know, companies that just hand out quotas pulled out of thin air. Oh, hey, we need you to grow 20% this year. Why? Well, because that's what the shareholders want. Okay. Uh, we're going to need you to deliver that or we're going to find someone who can. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do my best, I guess. And now you're beholden to some objective, some goal that has no factual basis. It's just something that some, you know... Uh, um, nebulous group of people say needs to happen. You see this a lot with startups too, right? Oh, we need to grow because if we don't show growth and that shows a backslide and then all of a sudden our valuations are all off and everybody's upset and we won't be able to exit where we need to and blah, blah, blah. All of this stuff is made up. <laughs> I mean, maybe not made up completely out of thin air because we can look at track records of companies that have gone on and sold and exited and that, but like, let's be real here. Like, as in, let's think about reality. Where's that number coming from? And why do you expect me to be able to deliver it? And for that matter, why do you expect anybody coming in behind me to be able to deliver it? Or are they just giving you lip service? I think leaders should be able to provide some insight as to where that number is coming from and why they think it's possible. 
And if it's not considered to be possible, then why are we holding ourselves accountable to that number? If we're going to need a Hail Mary to come through, if we're going to need some kind of miracle, if we're going to need a few breaks to go our way in order to have a chance of hitting this objective, then how on earth are we supposed to be responsible for that? How are we supposed to sleep through the night knowing that we need to get lucky in order to be considered successful? It's just not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to your boss. It's not fair to your company. It's not fair to anybody. Certainly not fair to your customers because what are you going to be doing the entire year? You're going to be pressing. I don't mean for this to be a quota discussion so much as like, let's think about the things that you're asking yourself to do. Let's consider whether or not it's even fair for you to ask that of yourself. And I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is easily the biggest source of discontentment, dissatisfaction, anxiety, depression in salespeople. It's this expectation that we're going to pull rabbits out of hats. It's this expectation that we're going to make the impossible happen. And it is um, unfairly categorized under the, well, no excuses, extreme ownership kind of uh, paradigm. Look, no excuses doesn't mean... <laughs> Just because there's no excuses doesn't mean that you can pull off the impossible, right? You're not shirking your responsibility by doing everything you can and then falling short. Now, if you're objectively not doing everything you can, well, then, yeah, what's the reason? No excuses. Why didn't you do your job? But for a results-oriented game, we have to make sure that we remember that doing our job sometimes means we're still going to lose. And so there are things within our control that we can do to hedge against that, right? Let's make sure that we're trying to hit a number that is twice what our quota is, right? Sometimes it's possible, sometimes that's not. But let's say, you know, if your quota is a million bucks for the year, well, I'd like to see you create pipeline for a mil and a half, maybe two mil. So if you fall short of that $2 million number that you were built for, you're still well above anybody's expectations. And if you're in the right company, then maybe there's some commission escalators that will make that really attractive for you. So we can hedge against some things. But when you can look in the mirror and say, look, I have trusted my process. I've executed on my process. I've done everything humanly possible to do this, and I still fell short. You have to be okay with that, and so do the people around you. And if you're not in that environment, I would suggest that you start looking for a different environment. Pressure is a privilege. Being in sales is a privilege. We have the opportunity, we have the good fortune to put ourselves in position for in, you know, in a results-oriented profession where some breaks fall our way and we can benefit greatly. It's upon us to recognize when those wins maybe came cheap. It's also our responsibility to recognize that sometimes we lost and didn't deserve it. I believe, you know, in a career now almost 20 years long in sales, that those two situations tend to balance each other out. Um, but you have to be disciplined enough. You have to uh, be clear enough to recognize when they happen. So don't take credit for things that 
you don't deserve credit for and, you know, don't take the blame for things that you don't deserve the blame for. That's important. So just make sure that you are, you know, very clear on what you can control and what you can't. And make sure you focus on those things that you can control so that you can ultimately be fair to yourself. That's the lesson for today. Make sure you can be fair to yourself and make sure that in the process of being fair to yourself, you are fair to your customers, you're fair to your company. And if you can be in that position, I think you're doing pretty well. So um, I already asked you this, but I'll, I'll ask you again. Where are the places you are not being fair to yourself? Where are the places you're asking too much of yourself? Where are the, those, what are those things that you tell yourself? Where's the, the, the self-talk that just doesn't pass the say it out loud test? Get rid of that stuff. That's your homework. That's what you need to think about before next week's episode, which is incidentally the last episode of season five. For as much as I have really enjoyed the process of working through the seven steps to sell like you, I am eager to kind of close the book on this chapter and move into the next thing, which uh, I'll tell you more about next week, but uh, I'm not entirely sure what the next thing is going to look like. And that's part of what uh, next week's episode is going to be about. So thank you, as always, for spending the last 15, 20 minutes with me. I appreciate you. I appreciate your ears, your eyes, your attention, your thoughts. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.